So as we gather the, the blueprint family around the fireplace here at the Institute <laughs> to consider this this momentous moment, we, we reached out to our design friend, a man of many icons, Colin Bissett, to well, to consider some of the some of the structures around royalty. Colin, hello. Hello, Jonathan. This is a thing, is it not? I mean, we, yes, of course, we recognise the royal family as, as people, but we also recognise them as a, a succession of places. Well, they are. I mean, we grow up thinking of kings and queens of royalty living in castles and palaces, and that's yes. all very romantic and sort of nursery rhyme-ish. But for, for many of us living in the Commonwealth, living in Britain, to sort of growing up with the Queen living in Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace was the was the sort of symbol of the royal family. It's where we went to see people on the balcony to celebrate weddings, special events, the end of, of the war, the, all of that sort of thing. Buckingham Palace especially, I think, became mm. a symbol for the country, also because it's not political. You know, it's the royal family. There is politics in it, of course, but it's not overtly political. And, and legendarily, not a, a particularly comfortable place. Well, this sounds ridiculous. It's a palace, but <laughs> a tricky use place to make your home, which, which to a great extent it was uh, for the Queen. It was the sort of headquarters of the firm, as they, as they sort of called themselves. It was, it was Victoria who really made it her home. But after Albert died, she moved out and it really became this sort of empty place that was only sort of brought about again after her death. And it's it's a very comfortless place, that, you know, huge rooms. It had been, I think Edward VII had done it up in, in this sort of very florid, sort of gilded style. It had had a new front put on it, the front that we're all familiar with, that sort of portico with, with the balcony. So it's an incredibly sort of formal um, place, and it says something too. I think Colin doesn't you know the way as you say this is this is the recognisable headquarters of of the firm. It says something about the the power of building, the power of architecture to convey that that sense of of, of character and presence and strength. It does. It does. I mean, I, I must say, when I was living in London, every time I would drive or, or be in a taxi or, or just walk past Buckingham Palace, I feel this little sort of frisson of, oh, that's where the Queen lives, you know, <laughs> which is sort of rather ridiculous, I know, and rather childlike. But but you do sort of feel, gosh, that's this enormous sort of place. It's it, the power. And it's it's very sort of layered. I mean, it's rather like one one can feel sort of ambivalent about the monarchy, but the loss of the Queen, you sort of, I think a lot of people sort of think, well, it is sad because this was a very dignified person, a hardworking person, quite a good person. We could, who didn't sort of um, show much of herself in some ways. So we could do, we could do, we could place on her who we wanted her to be. And that's perhaps going to all change because we know too much, a little bit too much about uh, the royals since. <laughs> yes, they're not quite as opaque. <laughs> um, no, certainly not. Windsor Castle was, of course, a favourite uh, of, yes. of the late Queen's. Yes, and that's, I mean, that's a real Norman castle. That's a proper castle, uh, much modified, of course. 
um, and somewhere that she was particularly fond of. And obviously the family was fond of it. I mean, they were renamed the House of Windsor. Um, and it, and the, you know, the grandkids went to Eton just, you know, within view of the castle, um, as you do. And, um, you know, it's, she was very, very upset when there was that fire in 1992. And it was quite sort of poignant seeing her work walking, watching the fire being, trying to be contained, you know, headscarf, um, anorak or whatever she was wearing. Um, uh, that sort of feeling of, that, well, this is the Queen's home. So that sort of idea of normality, I suppose, that that these bad things happen to, to kings and queens too. You know, there was that sense of, well, everyone's suffering together, so we're all in this together. And that was that's a bit of a legacy of the, of the queens, I think. A, a sense too after that fire of, of her feeling. I, I, that there is an image that I remember of her... You know, but but poking through the the burned ruins, um, mm. and looking, yeah, as much as it is a state property, um, looking looking yeah. personally downcast and very touched by that 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 thing that had happened. This was in the what the the beginning of the nineties. It's this was a sort of not a great time for the royal family. But it, it, seeing that, you thought, oh, poor thing, poor thing. This is, and it's very seldom you look at the Queen and go, oh, poor thing. You know, <laughs> she's surrounded by flunkies and having a lovely time sort of travelling the world. But, um, yes, you, you, you know, that sense of empathy one felt. She died at Balmoral, of course, which mm-hmm. I've described it already uh, in, in this past hour as somewhat kitsch. <laughs> Well, yes, it is. I mean, it's this sort of theme park sort of Scottishness, isn't it? Um, I mean, it was built, I think, in the 1850s. I mean, there'd been something there before in the state, and it was Victoria sort of, you know, loving getting away from it all. But but I think as a retreat, fantastic sort of retreat, you know, surrounded by such beautiful nature. And I think it's, again, very appropriate that she died in such a sort of personal space. I mean, inside it was all tartan carpets. And rather famously, there was a picture of her with sort of two electric bars in this sort of great room that she was having an audience, I think, with with, um, the Prime Minister. Um, So it was a sort of frugal space, this sense of sort of, um, you think of, Queens, you think of comfort, of lavishness, but I think with um, Queen Elizabeth, you you don't get that sense. You know, she was she was fairly sort of frugal, a canny lass. <laughs> of course, the, the frugality is often often her choice, but sometimes forced upon her. And you mm. mentioned the fire at Windsor. I think the other, and she would probably have said this was one of the other great. <sighs> Great moments of sense of loss in her life was the, the decommissioning of of the royal yacht, um, yeah. which was a very well, we favourite place. We all feel bad. We all feel bad when our royal yachts. We do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's that sense of she could travel the world and retreat there, and 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 the eyes weren't on her. She could. It was her domain, and I think you know that says that says a lot for you know, the public and the private, um, keeping, keeping, having a private place so that you can be replenished so that then you can go out and do what you do every day. Um, it was quite interesting, I think, design-wise, just that 
the the royal yacht it it sort of seemed to sum up what i think of as as the queen's style which is slight sort of mid century modern this sort of scandinavian vibe quite pared back not ostentatious quite tailored um and i think you know when you look in the royal homes any photos you see of the royal homes apart from buckingham palace apart from throne rooms and things like that but when you look at their personal apartments they're really fairly sort of ordinary really so she wasn't bringing a great she wasn't a style setter and of course that that sense of 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 comfort and ease is something we, we've discussed already balmoral a place where where famously that the front hall is full of bikes and and, and muddy <laughs> boots and, and true i think of sandringham as well yes i mean that again is it's a fairly i mean it's a large it's a large country estate obviously but it's a fairly normal sort of place i mean there are there are houses like that dotted around england um uh, it, it's not a place it's not a pretentious place it's a place to relax in and regroup to enjoy the family before going out into the world i, I don't think mm. many people were invited into sandringham um particularly um, I think it was, again, quite a sort of private domain, which is very important, I think. So, Colin, you're, you're a man of many icons. If you were to, to, to phrase an icon that would express the essence of Queen Elizabeth II, what might that be? Oh, gosh. That's a hard one. That's, that is a hard one. I mean, I, you see, a lot, of, a, lot of her, a lot of her is about places, the royal places that, that came before her. You asking me that, and I think her hats. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I think of her wonderful hats that she's worn through so many decades have been rather marvellous. Everyone's been rather sort of, you know, amazed by her hats. She became really quite stylish in her later years, I think. I think that serves entirely appropriately, Colin. <laughs> I think you're right. The hat it shall be. Uh, thank you for your thoughts. You're welcome. Colin Bissett, a friend of the program, of course, man of many icons, reflecting there on on the life of Queen Elizabeth II and, well, as as has the, the Blueprint family in this special little program, uh, a salute to an extraordinary life and an extraordinary, extraordinary epoch. Uh, we'll be back with our, our more routine blend of places, spaces, food, gardens and design next time round. We'll talk then. I'm Jonathan Green. ABC Radio Station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.